Welcome to the Linguist Home Life podcast. In today's sermon, Pastor George preaches about success and David and Goliath. This message was originally preached on March 27th, 2022. Welcome to the Linguist Home Life podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. Well, we're uh, continuing a series of messages this morning on, uh, on our series From Ashes to Hope. And I wonder how many of you have uttered these words, just leave me alone. Now, I'm gonna guess that if you've ever had a teenager in your house, any, anybody that's had a teenager in their house, have you heard those words before? Uh, I, I'm sure that you have. Um, maybe you've said those words, um, like if you have a, a little kid running around um, and you go in the bathroom to hide out from them, you know, and they start coming and knocking on the door and you start saying, just leave me alone. And then you see their little fingers come underneath the door. You know, they, they want you, but you want some alone time. Just leave me alone. <laughs> sometimes we just want to be left alone. And sometimes we just need to be left alone. And, you know, psychologists tell us that it's a good thing to be alone because we need some quiet in our lives. We, we, we live in such a fast-paced world today that, that we need time alone because, because we need to collect our thoughts. We need to, we need to recharge our emotional batteries and, and we need to connect with God. So, so there's nothing wrong with wanting to be left alone for a time. But sometimes... Sometimes when someone just wants to be left alone, it can also signal something deeper, a deeper issue that needs to be dealt with in their life. And that's the account that we're going to look at today in the life of Naomi. Now, Naomi's life experience is found in that little four-chapter book in the Old Testament known as the book of Ruth. And I'm, I'm going to give you sort of a, a bird's eye view of that story. You can read it yourself. It is four chapters. You can probably read that in 15 minutes this morning or, or this afternoon. So here's the story in a nutshell. There is a famine in the land of Israel. And, and just, just as famines happen in the past and they happen today, what do people do? People go into exile. They, they go somewhere else where there is food to eat. And that is exactly what Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, did. They left their homeland in Bethlehem and they sojourned to the land of Moab. That was a long way away. Now, after they got to Moab, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies in that foreign land, and so she's left with two sons. But the sons marry Moabite women, or Orpah and Ruth, and then, ta-da, big, big twist here in the story, Malon and Kilion die. 
And so it's only Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. And listen, they didn't have very good prospects. Okay, A woman back in those days who was widowed, she had to beg, she had to borrow. It was a terrible situation to be in. So here are these three women, and they don't know what to do. Now, the, the good part of the story is that Naomi gets, Naomi gets word that back in Bethlehem, when she, where she came from, there is food once again. And so she decides to set out for Bethlehem, and she and her daughter-in-laws head out. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning in Ruth chapter 1, verses 8 through 18. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Naomi and Ruth begin the return trip to Bethlehem. The people of Bethlehem are, are so excited when they finally see Naomi coming back. And, and this is, what, this is what, what Naomi says to them in verse 20 and 21. She says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now, Naomi's name means pleasant. And so when she went away, she was a pleasant person. But 
but with all the tragedy, with all the hopelessness, with all the pain that she has gone through, she doesn't want to be known as Naomi anymore. She wants to be known as Mara, which means bitter. She literally wants to take on the name that will describe what's going on in her heart. Now, for some of you, you may be able to relate to Naomi. You may know someone who can fit the story of Naomi very well. Life was full, now it's empty. You had something to look forward to, now you don't have anything to look forward to. You once believed that God's hand was upon you, now you feel like you've gotten a backhand from God. You had hope, now all you have is a pile of ashes. So it's in, in that situation that you can sort of understand why Naomi wants her daughter-in-laws to go away. She does not want to be connected to them any longer. She doesn't want their presence to be a constant reminder to her of everything that she has lost. And she didn't want to be referred to as pleasant anymore, just bitter, because, because bitterness was the best thing that she could muster. And if she was bitter, if she was bitter, she knew that no one would want to get anywhere close to her. But for Ruth, she wasn't buying it. R Ruth was not about to leave Naomi alone. So go back with me to, to Ruth's words to Naomi. She says, don't, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And then she throws in there, just for good measure, I'm going to die where you die. She's going all in to be with Naomi. There is no way that Naomi is going to get away from her. And I think what, what Ruth recognizes here is that Naomi's isolation, Naomi's slide into this, this bitterness requires Naomi to have a companion for the journey. It would have been easier, I think, for Ruth to just walk away and let Naomi probably die out in the desert somewhere. But Ruth understood that she couldn't be left alone. Now, there's, there's a time. There's a time for getting alone with our thoughts when life has dealt us a cruel blow, but the reality is that isolation has a debilitating effect upon us. All we've got to do is look back over the last two years and see how that's happened. See, when we, when we isolate ourselves, we, we sort of hold people back at arm's length. We don't let people get close. Even people who really want to genuinely care for us. And in isolation, we don't have to fake a smile. You know, somebody said the other day it was nice when we wore masks because nobody could tell <laughs> what was going on underneath there, right? Now that we've taken our masks off, we suddenly, well, we've suddenly had to reveal ourselves. And in isolation, in isolation, we don't have to meet anybody else's expectations. 
And that is why we need a companion for the journey. We need somebody who is going to walk alongside of us, <clears throat> even if they never say a word to us. Just their physical presence, that, that physical proximity reminds us that we are not alone. And so that's what Ruth did. Ruth, Ruth walked with Naomi to, back to Mo, from Moab, the, that place of emptiness, back to Bethlehem. Well, what a contrast. In, in Moab, she lost everything. It was a place of emptiness. But Bethlehem, Bethlehem is the place or the house of bread. It is a place of fullness. So she walked her from this place of emptiness, this place of despair, this place of hopelessness, this place that was nothing but ashes, and she brings her back to a place of hope. And then when they return to Bethlehem, Ruth, the first thing Ruth says is, well, we're going to have to eat. So she says, I'm going to go and I'm going to glean. I'm going to pick up what's left behind as the harvesters go through the fields. And that's exactly what she did. Day after day after day, Ruth went to the fields to glean the leftovers. And what she was really doing was she was caring for the physical needs of Naomi. Because sometimes when somebody has isolated themselves, what we need to do more than anything is we need to meet their physical needs. Now, the story of Ruth is really a love story. And if you like love stories, this is a nice, short, compact one you can read pretty quickly, okay? But, uh, but suddenly, as a love story begins to develop between Ruth and this man named Boaz, suddenly Naomi has a reason to hope. She has a reason to believe that something good may come out of all of her tragedy. And so Ruth, in, in her love story, is bringing Naomi hope. And of course, if you know anything about the end of the story, not to spoil it for you, but at the end, Ruth end up, ends up getting married. She has a little baby, a little boy named Obed. He would become the father of Jesse. Jesse would become the, the father of King David. And ultimately, that's how the name of Ruth got into Jesus' genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew. Because, see, that's the way God works. God, God, God works in, in these, these seemingly difficult circumstances of our life where we may, want to, we may want to walk away, we may want to isolate ourselves, we may want to do something that, that separates us from everybody, but God's got a plan that he's working, and even you... Can be a part of it. So what does all this mean for us? Well, if you remember the scripture that we spent time reflecting on this morning from Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Now, here's what I want to know. I'm not going to say anything else right now. I want to hear from you. What does that verse really say to you this morning? What does it say to you when you hear those words, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted? Uh, 
52 minutes ago I asked you to start thinking about it. Come on. He accepts you as you are. Great. Okay. What else? Okay. Okay. God is always, always there. What else? Come on. Don't be shy. He's a comforter. Okay. A healer. Okay. There's always hope. Yeah. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Now, what I want you to remember today is this very simple truth, okay? That, that when your hope has turned to ashes, there is power in proximity. There is power in proximity. I want you to think about this right now, okay? When you leave here today, you are going to draw close to somebody who is brokenhearted. You may not, you may not see it on their face. You may not hear it in their voice. You may not see it in the way that they walk but there are people that you are going to be close to today who are broken hearted. And my question for you is, do you recognize how close you are to people who need a message of hope? And here it is. The Lord and the Lord's people are close to the broken hearted. See, Ruth understood that principle. And so she didn't let Naomi be tempted to stay in isolation. She drew close and she brought her to a place of hope. God knows this truth. And so God, God stays close to the brokenhearted. When, when God wanted us to know that we are not alone, God sent Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us, as a physical reminder that you and I are not on this journey of life alone. And as disciples of Jesus, you and I are called to bear one another's burdens. And, and I love... I love this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Eugene Peterson translates it this way. He said, God, listen to this, God comes alongside of us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, before you know it, God brings us, God brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And that's what I'm talking about today, folks. There is power in proximity. When we recognize that we are close to brokenhearted people, it is going to make a difference in their life because we can be close to them. And we can represent God's closeness to them when they find themselves on an ash heap somewhere. We can bring them hope. We can bring them hope just by our presence. We can bring them hope by meeting their physical needs. We can come alongside them on their journey through a desert. And we can bring them back to community. We can bring them back 
to community. So what am I asking you to do today? Simply asking you to open your eyes and your ears to the broken hearted people in the world today. The people who need to know that there is somebody who actually sees them in their brokenness, somebody who will come alongside of them, somebody that doesn't necessarily have all the answers, but they're willing to listen and be attentive to those needs, to offer them daily reminders of hope, and most importantly, to keep them connected to a community. If there's one thing, if there's one thing that this pandemic has revealed to us, it is how much we need one another. In spite of all the, spite of all the division, in spite of all the hatred, in spite of all of that, one thing we've all learned is that we need someone to walk on this journey with us. And that's what Ruth did. And that's what I want to encourage you today, to be somebody's Ruth, to walk alongside someone who is hurting. And if you are that person who is brokenhearted, if you're that person who, who, who wants to, to, to isolate and hold everybody back, let me just say it one more time, don't shut people out. Call someone. Reach out to someone. You know, God has placed us in a community of faith so that none of us have to experience a broken heart alone. I, I'm just going to go back to this one more time. Our, our, our text line is 717-585-0414. That text line is a way for you to reach out if you need to say to somebody, I need someone to walk with me. Who are you going to be in proximity with today who needs someone to walk with them? I'm not asking you to, to make their life better. I'm not asking you to to tell them all the right words because you probably can't say anything that will change the situation. But you can be close. Just as God is close to the brokenhearted, you and I as the children of God are called to be close to the brokenhearted. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we... We thank you that you've drawn close to us. And when our hearts have broken, you have reminded us that you are close. You are, are physically present with us, not only through the power of your spirit, but you are physically present with us through the lives of our brothers and sisters who draw near to us. And so, Lord, today I pray for for a fresh awakening of our senses to know when there are people in our midst who are brokenhearted. May we see and hear, and Lord, may your spirit empower us to respond, if in no other way than to walk into their 
proximity, to be close to the brokenhearted. Lord, as we hear of their need, may we be able to respond to the physical needs. As we hear their cries and their questions, may we be able to to just be there and to be present with them. As we hear of their physical needs, may we be able to respond to feeding their, their physical needs. Lord, we... We want to be a part of your solution of being close to the brokenhearted. So, Lord, begin with each of us. And, Lord, for those today who have isolated themselves, Lord, I pray that your spirit would remind them that they are not alone, that you are with them. And, Lord, help them as even you were going to help us to draw close in this community of faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you, and may you go forth and love God and love others.